Welcome to the family with co-host Catherine Brandt, Ellie Nick, Alex Brandt-Bernard Rasmussen, and Andy Brandt-Bernard. And we will be right back, kick things off with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walls Road Motor Group, Walls.com, and Doug Sprinthal. Nissan news. This is exciting, and I'm glad Andy's here. We just got our first shipments at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan of the all-new 2021 Nissan Rogue. Dude, you need to trade. This is a brand-new vehicle. It's got bird's-eye parking, so when you're backing up, you hit the screen, and it's like a spy satellite above oh. the vehicle, It is, and it's got ProPilot. It is cool. Trade your car in. Well, Melissa said she did like this one better than the last one, so maybe she'll like the next one better than this one. All right. Be like Andy and Melissa and check out the Nissan Rogue. It's been a dream of mine to be like Andy ever since he was born. <laughs> so, yeah, check out these vehicles at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville and in Coon Rapids, House of J-Lo and the House of Dan Resch. Tell them Andy sent you. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. We're rocking out, man. <sighs> Stock market's making a comeback. Oh, my God. So I heard. You know what's charging make, you, back. You know what's really making a comeback is oil stocks. You remember yeah. just, just not long ago, yes. it was negative $30 a barrel. <laughs> and now today yep. it's $62 a barrel. It's well, it is, yep. they, uh, from what I read about the stock market is um, tech stocks are, people are dumping tech stocks at, for energy because as the economy opens up, as they're promising, people are going to be out and about driving and using oil. We dump some tech stock just because we don't like their politics. But I agree. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I'm so sick of everyone's ball. Again, you want to be a Republican, you want to be a Democrat, good for you. I got no problem with that. Either side, fine, whatever. I don't agree with all of either, you know, either party says everything they say. I don't agree with it. But this going out of your way to harm other people because they don't agree with you politically is disgusting. Well, they're getting a taste of it with Cuomo. Yeah, they are. Well, the, they? The, yep. pro the big problem is they have injected politics into everything. They've ruined sports. They've ruined everything with politics. They have. Yep. L.A., I will agree with that 100%. I don't know that I'm going to... I'll probably watch the Twins unless I see some political crap appearing in the stadium. Then I'm done. I'm pretty much done with the NBA forever. 
Um, oh, God, yeah, I, you don't know anything about their own yeah. brand. If you want to watch they a sport, if, if you want to watch a sport with no politics, watch MotoGP, and it's so exciting. And the announcers are the best announcers in the world. It'll make you like, even if you're not, never watched it before, start watching it. You'll be at the edge of your seat. Is that like Formula One? Yeah, motorcycle. It's it's oh, rare. It's motorcycle Formula One. Yeah, motorcycle Formula One. Right. MotoGP, and the announcers are just so energetic and so good, and it's just such a great sport. And they don't do any politics. Huh. Um, that's a good thing. I'll, I'll just mention this quickly because it's, uh, and I've said this many times before, and, and every day I'm, I'm more and more committed to it, that if I were black, I would be so pissed off right now being used <laughs> as a human shield to make money. It's disgusting what they're doing to black people just so they can make money off them. And they're making a lot I'd, of money. <clears throat> oh, God, they're making millions. No, billions. Now, here's the thing. Yeah, billions. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there's an example, and we move on. But but everything now, as you know, is is all about them making money off of race. That's what this is all about now. By them, I mean the high tone people of all colors, very very wealthy people making even more money. Because now I've noticed, and there's one in front of me right now, that even when you go with new LGBTQ stuff and all the rest of it, every picture now has to be one white person and one black person. Yes, it does. Yeah. It's just you. You're just tipping your hand. So you're using black people to make money is all you're doing. It's disgusting. It is right. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And they're not even. They're not even really representing the the true black community in any of this stuff. No, like they're just not. (laughs) I'm surprised black women aren't more upset because it's always a white woman and a black man. There's never a black woman. It's very strange. You think they'd be yeah, like... Rarely. Yeah, rarely. Rarely it is. I, I never, face, I, I know I, I never see a white man and a black woman. There's one for the yeah. for the uh, <clears throat> grocery buying app to buy groceries. Right, oh, right. Yeah. That's exactly That's right. That's a black yep. girl and a white guy. Oh, that's interesting. It when is I, see I like how you guys remember this. Yeah. I know. Well, it's, <laughs> when I see a white man and a black woman in an ad, I... I, I I, like, take a mental note. I'm like, wow. Well, the only reason I I noticed that particular commercial, Catherine, is because they don't fit together at all. No? This guy is, like, the whitest... Oh, I know. The whitest dweeb (laughs) guy in the world. Like, the the whitest white dweeb in the world. And then sees, you know, a black girl. They just don't fit together. It's not even a couple. It's like they're not a couple. Well, most of the commercials, they, they don't bother... Finding two people that look like they would go together because they're I mean, yeah. okay, they, right. they don't care. They don't even have the same style or same anything. Like nothing that would. Like, yeah. You look at them like no way they're not a couple. Well, my favorite was uh, I don't know what was what it was an ad for, but uh, it was it was like a white mom, I think like a Hispanic dad, and then they had a black kid and an Asian kid. It's like how oh, did yeah. this family oh, yeah. happen? Right. <laughs> it happened because it was algorithmically generated at an ad agency is how it happened. Yeah, so they can make money. It's all about making money. Yes, Let me is. ask you guys one question before we move on. Um, if you saw a, a TV commercial, would you say, God, they don't fit together at all if Catherine and I were in a TV commercial <laughs> together? <laughs> what do you think, man? I'm just here defending the people is all I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, like those two would ever be together. 
Don't worry about my feelings, all of you. Don't worry it depends. about my I, I, I'll tell you, honestly, if, if you guys are cleaned up, I would say no, because Catherine cleans up a lot better than you do. And, That's true. No doubt about but it. But on no average, I would, I would say, yeah, okay. But uh, if like cleaned up, no, you lose, Tom. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. I feel much better now. <laughs> I do, I do. I can clean up. It's true. Yeah, Catherine cleans I up can. well. I just don't do it very often. She does. Some people just don't really have the right look for you know wearing expensive suits and that kind of stuff. And, yeah, and, I don't really either. And I think too, when Catherine is done up, she carries herself very well, uh, more than yep, you do, Tom. She does. So then she, well, she does. She walks yeah. in the room. You no, say, "Hey, who's that?" Where where Tom's kind of you know. Stays low profile. When I'm wearing a suit, you well, can tell I hate it. Yeah. feels very Tom odd. lumbers <laughs> around. Yeah. Tom lumbers around, and especially if he's in a suit, there's even more lumbering. More lumbering. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of lumbering. Where Catherine's standing straight up and, you know, looking confident where Tom's. So that's why I say it. Why, that, that why is Catherine here with the crusher? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much the deal right there. I don't know. It, it all works out in him. But I, I just, I hope one of these days you all realize that the only reason these professors are doing this is so you'll donate more money to their college so they can be worth billions more than they're already worth. Yeah. It's all about, they don't give a rat's ass about anything other than lining their pockets with your donation or your donated money. And high-end universities it's are phony. People have no idea how yes. much money that they're getting. It's billions and billions oh, and billions of dollars. Billions. Well, let's see. Oh, uh, but they're crying. They're they're yep. crying now because tuition, uh, or I mean, enrollment is down yep. by at least two to three percent, which doesn't sound like very much, but that's a lot of tuition money. Well, I guess Harvard's going to have to dip into its forty-two billion dollar endowment. They have, <laughs> they have had to actually dip into their so endowment. How difficult for them. And, and, I'll say one more thing, and then I'll, we'll move along. we got a guest coming up in a couple minutes anyway. Uh-huh. But the other, the other part of this whole situation is when, when you, you see one party going after one guy, and again, I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of Trump being president. I, I didn't mind him as much as other people did because I grew up with a lot of people that wouldn't shut up, you know, including my whole family. But in any case, you know, if you don't like the fact that Donald Trump won't shut up, but, but the problem I have with the whole thing is the fact that they will not let up on him, and now even Justin Trudeau's going after him, uh, I believe while talking to Biden, what did you guys do that you need cover for? Because that whole thing has gotten to the point, that's a cover. That's not really you going after anybody. You're covering your own ass by using Trump. And yeah, I wonder what if, the hell you're doing. If yeah. you're going after somebody that hard, then you did something yep. wrong. You're, Every and you're time, afraid, and yep. you're afraid of them. They're going to out you. Yeah, don't look at me. Look yep. at them. Yeah. Yep. So don't fall for all this. Look, everybody deserves to live a life. I don't care what their skin color is. Treat everybody the same. Not better. Not worse. Be be kind to everybody if you can. How about that? That'd be good. Yes. I'd like that. Amen. What do you think? Sounds good. I agree. Well, there's a lot of commitment. No, I, I just, it, I, it's gotten to the point, whether it's the news or it's the newspapers or it's politicians going after this guy or that, you're covering up for something and you're trying to make a lot of money while you're doing it. And it's so obvious what you're doing. I hope the rest of the world wakes up and goes, man, will you people shut up? Jesus. I mean, the seven keys to your whiteness. I keep, I keep, I keep waiting Christ. for that to happen, but 
Yeah, I know. Even the even the defund the police thing in Minneapolis. Then I watched the budget hearing in the city hall, and it was packed. And three people were like, "What are you crazy? You can't defund the police." And then the rest of the five thousand people were like, "Defund the police now!" That's because they're stupid. Oh my god, they're that stupid. Oh my god. Well, see, god. that's the other key, though, LA. LA, that's the other key is you have to get these stupid people to believe everything you say, which is another thing they're doing. These people are too dim to understand what's even going on. So there's, yeah, you're right, to try to make themselves look better. Well, right now, they're boarding up everything in downtown for this trial next week. Oh, so no. That trial oh, starts no. in a couple, on the 1st, yeah. March 1st. Oh. And it, it's it's like a war zone down there. We went, Nancy went down there yesterday. She said, you even drive around the government center. is like a billion cop cars with dogs and everything. Yeah, yep. I will tell you one thing, and it was planned uh, uh, as far back as I could do it, and thank God it worked out really well with taking the kids to Disney World because my vacation begins on March 1st, baby, so I don't have to talk of it one day that week. That's good. So when is the trial? Man, it's, it starts on the 1st. Next, next oh. Monday. Hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, wander around down by the courthouse too much if I no. were you, I'll tell you that. No, I actually, that's downtown. Be, for I have sure. to go to Miami, so... Oh, so you're good. Yeah. You're good to go. So, well, that'll all work out for you. I'm glad to hear that. But I just, I think maybe we'll, we could find somebody with some seeds to get up there on national television and say, ladies and gentlemen, look, don't get frustrated with all of this barking about this, you know, politics and skin color and orientation. And that they're just doing it to make money. And that's all it's up. They don't give a rat's ass about anybody but themselves. Anyone who so does just that don't take it so seriously. will be smeared by the mainstream media as an alt-right Nazi white supremacist. Well, that's the problem. There's no mainstream media. No people will it. believe it because people are stupid. Yep. That's unfortunate. It's sad. But so now that we've disparaged the entire human race, I would like to say. But it's hard not to because you see people saying things like, are you insane? You really believe that's a good idea, People huh? believe anything they're told. They do. Makes me sad that they do, and this but is they a, do. this is a global thing. It ain't just here. Yeah, N- no doubt about it. You're absolutely right about that. We'll take a break. Got a special guest coming up right after this with the family. Tom Bernard here with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you here, Michael. Always great to be with you, Tommy. Michael, we've talked before about the XCheck app at North American Banking Company, where you can send money to your friends and family directly from your account to theirs for free. I imagine people are using it a lot these days, huh? Beyond paying a friend back for the dinner you split or paying fantasy football or golf side action, we've heard from our customers that they're using XCheck to send money to their grown-up kids for a family takeout meal or using it to pay the person that plows their driveway in the winter. Our customers love the flexibility of paying right from their account in just a couple of taps on their phone wherever they are located. I use XCheck, and it's just as easy as Michael says. Send money in one business day or less, and it's completely free. Get XCheck by contacting any of North American Banking Company's five Twin Cities locations. So why not bank with my banker? That's you, Mike. Tommy, thanks for the privilege. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream Sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me. 
which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You buy one set, get another set absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code TOM, T-O-M. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Quite the day. That's all I know. 35 degrees today, 35 degrees tomorrow. It's 35 right now, so yeah. Oh, nice it's, warm it's, weather. It's spectacular out there. Gosh, it's so beautiful. Indeed. Sage is like, I have my rain boots to go stump in puddles. It's like very exciting. Oh, it's definitely puddles. Oh. <laughs> Lots of puddles, so fun yeah. when they love that. All right, oh, yeah. wouldn't love we have that. Sunil. Sunil Gupta joins us, ladies and gentlemen. How are you? I'm good. Tom, how's it going over there? I'm very. I'm really, really upset because you have a better descriptor than I do. Because everybody asks me my last name and it's Barnard, and they go, "What is it?" I said, "Barnard." Well, what? What? I said, "Barnyard" without a Y. Okay, say that's two. what it is. <laughs> okay, but Sunil has something better. Do you want me to read it, or do you want to tell him, Sunil? Uh, well, you know, I mean, you know, my, it's funny because I was just reading your tweet, and you're like, "Hey, we got Sanjay Gupta's brother coming on." So, yeah, last name's Gupta. <laughs> Wait a minute, who tweeted what? I'm guessing Somebody, guys, I, I thought, I, well, I, I see a tweet here saying, hey, we had something Gupta's brother coming on later on, so uh, come join us. And I'm like, yeah, That was probably Cassie. Mm-hmm. It was definitely yeah. Cassie. Oh, was it? Oh, well, I actually am Sanjay Gupta's brother, so it all works out in the end, Sunil. <laughs> it, all works. It, all, it all works. That is so funny. G-U-P-T-A. Gupta. There can't be more than one Gupta in the world. No, <laughs> I think that's phenomenal. Now, this is the part I love, Sunil. Sunil, pronounce sun like the hot ball of fire in the sky and eel like those ugly water snakes. <laughs> I love that, exactly. Sunil. Exactly. I love it. The book is... The book is called Backable, The Surprising Truth About What Makes Someone Take a Chance on You. This is going to be fascinating for me, Sunil, because I love the whole idea. And and look, a groundbreaking book that boldly claims the key to success is not talent, connections, or ideas, but the ability to persuade people to take a chance on your potential. Is That sounds very difficult, Sunil. Uh, Is it easy to do? Oh, I think it's I think it's much easier than I than I assumed. Um, but I agree, it does sound intimidating, right? I mean, we we, we all know mm-hmm. that creativity and persuasion are two different things. You can have a great idea, you can have a brilliant product, you could be the perfect candidate for a job interview, and and still be dismissed. Uh, and yet, we see backable people. What I refer to in the book is backable people who tend right. to sort of walk into these moments. And they really and they really tend to shine. We we there's something about them that makes us want to take a chance on them, even sometimes when they're not the obvious choice. And you know, I started I started writing this book five years ago, uh, really just kind of obsessed with with one question, which is, what is this it quality that they seem to have, and can it be learned? 
God, that's so amazing. And, and I, I'm really, really happy to have you on today because I've been wondering this my entire life. Because, you know, people say, oh, you know, I came up a very poor kid and you know, I've been been very lucky the career took off and you know god god bless the world or whatever you do but you know it's not talent connections or ideas that's what i'm always told but when i think about it sunil the number one thing that has always worked for me is people for some reason will always take a chance on me and i don't know why i have no idea why that is mr gupta i have no idea Mm. well you should have been one of the people that i spoke to for the book to to, to, you know reverse you know, my goal is to kind of reverse engineer because, you know, ultimately, sometimes a lot of backable people don't don't know why they're backable, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I studied for this book people from all different walks of life, Oscar-winning filmmakers, celebrity chefs, uh, iconic founders, people within companies who are fast-rising, and, and just trying to understand, you know, what it was about them. And oftentimes, they weren't aware of, of what it actually was. So what I did is I kind of just started to unpack you know, where they were in their career early on, how it, how it sort of evolved, what were the qualities they seemed to adopt along the way, and then what were the patterns, you know, no matter what. Because, you know, look, you don't have to be a celebrity or a CEO to be backable. I think, you know, it's the factory worker who's looking to step into a supervising role. It's, it's mm-hmm. the mother of three who wants to reenter the workforce. I think we can all use a little bit of this, this, this equality right now. Yeah, the other thing about that, and I just, you made me think, I'm thinking a lot about this whole situation. This is a great subject. Uh, the two things that I, I was told about being the, you know, being the, the, the guy they'd back would be because I tend to do what I say I'll do, and not a lot of people will do, to the at least to the finish, they will not do what they say they're going to do. They'll do some of it, but not all of it, which I try to complete everything. If I do it, I want to get it done and do it right. So I think that's the one thing. And the other thing I've heard, Sunil, is I've actually had people tell me when I asked them, you know, down the line, why, why did you bring me on to do this? And the guy would actually say, because I'm afraid of you. It's like, what? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? I mean, I, like, it's like, a weird thing. To, yes, I guess so. Because apparently I look <laughs> like a raving maniac. I look like a nut job, apparently, Sunil. Well, see, I, I have never been told by anybody that they're afraid of me. I'm like this little Indian guy. Um, but I'd love to talk about that, that, that first thing, though, that you, you mentioned about, about you know, really delivering. Because I, I do sure. think that the thing about being backable is, is it's not a one-time thing, right? I mean, we're talking about building ultimately long-term relationships with people that, you know, I think will be a huge determiner of our success. And again, it's not like a one-time transaction where it's like, great, you mm-hmm. put that on me and now I'm done with you. You know, you have to deliver. And, and, that, and that delivery <laughs> creates this trust, which it seems like you have, you have created with people. Yeah, I, I just, and I, I don't know where I even got that from. My father was not like that at all. My mother was a hardworking waitress. But it drives me crazy. And it did when I was a little kid, Sunil. If, if you tell me you're going to do something and then you don't do it, why, why did you tell me that? Because now i got a problem because you didn't do what you said you were going to do. That's a big thing to me. It's a huge thing to me. So let me ask you this then, Tom. Do you find yes, sir. That, you then, that you then say yes or agree to do less things than normal people will? Because it's, like, I think to get to your point, it's easy to say, yes, I'm going to do something, but it's a different thing to actually mm-hmm. deliver on it. So do you find as a result of your, your value of wanting to make sure if you say yes to something that you will deliver on it, 
you make sure that you actually say yes if you were things? Do you, I think that's true. Catherine, my lovely wife, is here. Do you think that's true? Yes. Yeah, she definitely thinks it's true. Um, yeah, I, it's really important to be, and nowadays, I tell you one thing, Mr. Gupta, getting people to do what they say they're going to do is getting harder and harder, which is very upsetting, actually. Well, yeah, and now you have to say no because then it makes you look bad. Yeah. So yep. I say no to a lot of people now because if they don't come through, then you look bad. Yep. Right. That's very, very right. true. Right. Very, very true. Uh, the most exceptional people aren't just brilliant. They're backable. Daniel Pink, number one New York Times bestselling author of When, Drive, and To Sell is Human. Uh, but no one makes... I love the fact that you point out in your book, by the way, Sunil, that no one makes it alone. You can't make it alone, can you? No. You, you really can't. It doesn't matter if, it, if we're looking for the support of a hiring manager or a team or we're looking to bring on an employee that we really want to want to bring onto our team. Uh, co- you know, colleagues, partners, clients, even friends and family, you know, we're, we're all trying to be backable in some way. And I'll tell you, Tom, one, one of the things that, that, that really surprised me when I was, when I was starting to write this book is, is I thought that I was going to find that all backable people would, would tend to be really polished communicators. They, they, would, they would sort of speak you know, with all of the mm-hmm. Dale Carnegie-esque Toastmasters-esque hand gestures and eye contact and, and pacing. Um, but I did not find that to be the case at all. Um, you know, you certainly had backable people out there that are, you know, great communicators, but, but you also have those that are, that are, that are not. You know, they're, they're more shy, they're quiet, they kind of have their own communication style. Um, and if you want, like, a, you know, a very simple example of that, go look up the number one most popular TED Talk of all time right now. And it's a, it's a uh, talk given by a guy named Ken Robinson. And, and it's a brilliant, brilliant talk, but it's also a very un-TED-like presentation. He's got sort of a hand in his pocket. He's got a, he's got a slouch. He, you know, he meanders on and off the script. Um, but it's a, brilliant, it's a brilliant, brilliant talk. The thing that I found is that it's not charisma, that makes someone convincing, it's conviction. Backable people, they take the time to convince themselves first, and then they let that conviction shine through with whatever style it is that feels most natural to them. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Now, now I do have to ask you about charisma, though, but because you're a very charismatic person, anybody that would put uh, pronounced sun like the hot ball of fire in the sky has charisma. I mean, you're charismatic. That does help, doesn't it? You know, I gotta say, I gotta say, um, Tom, you don't know it listening to me right now. I mean, I've been told that I come off as an extrovert, but I, but I very much am an introvert. Like, give me a cup of coffee, uh, you know, and a okay. journal and a desk, and, and that and that is my that is my jam. Um, but you know, I I do think that when you find something that you are passionate about, uh, you find a topic that really kind of sets you on fire, you know, and you can and you can kind of you can make it not about you, but you can make it about the mm-hmm. topic. That 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 can that can I think turn even the most introverted people into. You know, what comes off as charisma. I got this great piece of advice when I was writing this book. It was a person who coaches introverts. She focuses on introverts that are in, you know, in business. And what she says to all of her clients is that when you walk into a room, you're going to feel 
like the spotlight is on you. You're there to give a presentation or a pitch or you're doing an interview for a job. You're going to feel like the spotlight is on you. Your job is to take that spotlight and shift it to something else. It's to shift it to your message. It's to shift it to a visual that you bring in. Uh, but shift it to something else so that you don't feel like the spotlight is on you. So as I'm talking to you right now, my attention mm-hmm. is 100% on the, on the fact that I think this book can help people. Um, but I'm, I'm trying not to make it about me because if I made it about me, the introverted side of me would come out. But still, you present yourself really, really well. I, look, I was told many, many years ago, too, by I've been very lucky, Sunil, running into a, a, a lot of very smart people, a lot of people who have helped me out. Um, I think because I've talked about this before, that my father, since he was gone by the time I was so young, that the other parents in the neighborhood kind of watched over me and took care of me and taught me things. And I was taught a long time ago by several of them, Tom, you need to learn to make people laugh because if you could make them laugh, they'll leave you alone, <laughs> which I think is great. You know, that you put them at ease, whether they're mad at you or they want, yeah. they want something from you or whatever. If you can make them laugh, they'll go, oh, he made me laugh. And then you can just get away from them. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my, I, have a, I have a friend who just came out with a book as well. Her, the name of the book is called Humor Seriously. It's this woman, Jennifer Acker, and uh, it, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. And she talks exactly about sort of how humor can be just so diffusing in, inside a room, especially in these tense situations. No, no question. Uh, Sunil, I want to ask you about it. There's a line in the descriptor here. After getting rejected by every investor he pitched, Sunil Gupta had a burning question. Could it be learned? Uh, so you were you were rejected by, by everybody? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the story, the story is that I, I uh, you know, I, I worked at a couple of tech companies. Uh, I felt like I sort of got the experience that I needed. I, I always sort of had that, that desire to kind of go out on my own and, you know, just give it a shot. Entrepreneurship was one of those things that I felt like if I didn't do, I would, I would regret. And so I, I eventually decided to do it. And, and um, you know, uh, healthcare is something that I'm really passionate about. I, I saw my father mm-hmm. really struggle with his health. He had diabetes. He had his first triple bypass surgery when he was in his 40s. And, uh, you know, eating and and nutrition was such a big part of his his journey, both decline and then also just turning things around, like learning how to eat better. So I started this service that that basically matched you with a personal nutritionist right over your mobile phone. And having a nutritionist can be really, really expensive. But, you know, we did it in a way that was more of a Weight Watchers price point rather than, you know, something that was simply for the 1%. Um, so I think you know, I thought it was a good idea. We, we you know, we had we had some customers, and but when I went out there to pitch investors, you know, I thought I had the complete sort of package. I worked in tech. I had an idea that I think had traction. We were going after a pretty big market. Lots of people are trying mm-hmm. to lose weight, get in a better shape. It, but I got uh, every every investor that I pitched in that first round of, of of pitches, and it was over a dozen. Every single one of them said no. Why do you think that? Do you know why they said no? Did you figure out why they said yeah, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, so that's the, that's the question, Tom. Like, and that's the best question because you know, I, I, in the beginning, I remember sitting sitting down with a friend, and it was around the time that I started to kind of think this could be a book. Is is like I, I, I did, you know, I, I I was venting to him, and I was telling him like, man, this sucks. Every single investor has said no, and he asked me the same question. He said, well, well, why do they say no? And I said, well, because it wasn't for them. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't something they were interested in investing in. He said, yeah, yeah, but why? 
why. And, I, right. and it struck me in that moment that, like, I did not know the answer to that question. You know, I just didn't. I, I would get these emails saying, hey, you know, thanks for coming in, and, you know, not for us, or, you know, we're going to pass. And I'd say, okay, well, okay. And then I'd kind of move on to somebody else. So what I did is I went back to every single one of them, and I, I asked them if they'd be willing to jump on the phone with me for just a few minutes. And I just wanted to understand, like, what, what, what it was about the presentation or what it was about the idea um, that, that wasn't for them. And, and I, what I said in the email when I reached out to them is I said, I'm not going to try to convince you to change your mind. This is not like a, a repitch. I just want to understand. I'm just trying to learn. And half of them, about half of them said, sure, I'll jump on the phone with you for a few minutes. And the thing that was interesting is that when I got on the phone with them, I kind of started to assume that the reason that they said no was because we didn't have enough customers on Rise mm, at that point, sure. the name of the service is Rise. What they told me instead was, hey, we don't know whether customers are actually going to stick around. Because the thing about like weight loss is that once people hit their goals, they tend to bounce. They tend to leave, right? They don't use their service anymore. And and uh, and and so like we we just don't know if that's going to happen, and so it's not it's not you know distribution or customer acquisition. It's it's retention. We don't know if we can retain your customers, and so that the reason that was so illuminating for me is because had I not had those conversations, I would have gone out and tried to get more customers and then probably circle back with these investors and said, hey, we have more customers now. But instead, mm-hmm. what I did is I spent the next three to four months. And it was basically all the money we had left in the bank, you know, with, and I was, I was, I was basically self-funding this. And, and you know, we, we focused on this retention problem. Could we, could we put some features into our service that would keep people around for longer on a maintenance program? So after you hit your goal weight, we, we kept you and, and you, stayed, you stayed hooked in. And we did, and it worked, and we went back to all the investors. I ended up going back to every single one of the investors, and I said, hey, you gave me the great insight that retention was the issue. We decided to go run these experiments. This is what we learned. This seems to be working. Two of the initial investors who said no ended up changing their mind as a result to a yes. Love it. No, that's terrific. i got to take a very quick break, you say, with us for another segment, Sunil? We'll, we'll be right back in two minutes with Sunil Gupta, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the book, Backable, The Surprising Truth About What Makes Someone Take a Chance on You. We'll be right back with Sunil right after this. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. What's more important than reliable plumbing? Having someone you can rely on in case it ever needs attention. Hi, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Look, you don't want to mess around with leaks or shoddy installation or repair. 
when it comes to plumbing. Sabre is the largest installer of Moen fixtures and Ream water heaters in Minnesota. They're dependable pros who get the job done right. So when plumbing happens, call Sabre or visit saberheating.com. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, our very special guest. The book is called Backable, The Surprising Truth About What Makes Someone Take a Chance on You. It's available on Amazon and everywhere. Sunil Gupta, G-U-P-T-A, of course, the last name. You know, you were just talking about approach and how you approach things differently, uh, how you tell the story to someone else. Uh, you could do it A, B, or C. It just reminded me of when I was younger. I was talking to a friend of mine. His father was a uh, college professor. And I said, did, did your father push you around a lot to tell you what to do? And he goes, he never does. I said, what do you mean? He doesn't tell you what to do. He goes, he never, ever tells me what to do. I said, well, how does he get the job done of being a father? He said, what my father does is he comes up to me and instead of saying, John, go do this right now, he says to me, John, what I would do and what I think you should do. <laughs> and he said it worked every time. <laughs> how great is that? Isn't that wonderful? I, I, I love that. I love that. And and you know, there there is something that's there's something that hits me about that story that I think I think relates to a lot of the book. Uh, which yep. is that you know, I'll tell you a story. In the nineteen forties, you may have heard this before, Tom, but in the nineteen forties, Betty Crocker introduced instant cake mix to markets sure. across the United States. And they thought this product was just gonna be a massive hit. Like all you had to do was pour water into a mix pop it in the oven, and voila, you get this tasty treat. And so they, got, they were really, really surprised when the numbers come back and they find out that instant cake mix just isn't selling. And they can't figure out why. And so they get this psychologist named Ernest Begda to go to the field, start interviewing homes across the country to figure out, like, what's happening here? And what Begda comes back with is that they had made the process of making a cake too easy, too simple. <laughs> Because they had, they, had, they, had removed, they had removed the customer from the creative process. They basically, in some ways, kind of relating to your story, they kind of like told them what to do, mm-hmm. right? And so what right. Dyker recommends was remove one ingredient, remove one ingredient, and then just see what happens. And so they do. They, they remove the egg. And so now, as a customer, what you have to do is you have to crack and mix in your own fresh egg into the mix, and sales absolutely skyrocket. They take off. <laughs> Love it. Right? Don't, now the cake comes out of the oven, you actually feel like you made that thing. Mm-hmm. That's exactly his point. It's like, hey, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, here's what I would do. Uh, which, again, just leave the egg out. I, hey, I, I had to crack an egg and put it in there, man. That, that, was, that was me. <laughs> it's all me. <laughs> Love that. Exactly. Exactly. Don't exactly. You, yeah. So you know, sorry, go, go ahead. 
No, go ahead, sir. You're up. Well, I was just saying, you know, like, you know, what does that have anything to do with creativity or, you know, building things? Well, you know, and oftentimes we sort of think of, you know, creating creating something as a two-step formula. You come up with a great idea, and then you execute on it. But, but the reality is that there is this hidden step in between, and that hidden step is where we, we, we in the book, called taking, flipping outsiders into insiders. It's where you bring these early people in on your idea. These could be early employees. They could be early collaborators, early investors. Um, but, but, but every successful company, political movement, civic cause can be traced back to that hidden step where they flipped outsiders to insiders. And the way they did that is by handing people an egg, by letting them crack their own egg into the yep. mix so that by the time they showed up to the execution phase, they actually felt like they were part of the idea as well. I think that's huge, being part of the whole situation. Hey, that's why, Catherine, I always ask you for advice. You ever notice that? Doesn't mean you take it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> do ask. Doesn't I? You do ask, but you never take mm-hmm. my advice. Okay, honey. Does he take? Whatever does he take, you any, does, does he take anybody's advice? <laughs> Sometimes. Boy, I'm I'm hitting a home run here, huh? What do you think, uh, Mr. Gupta? I'm really got the home run going here. I've never seen you take anyone's <laughs> advice. <laughs> no, really. Well, some people, I think, ask for advice in order to, because you are such a talker, you have to talk yeah. everything out. Yeah, that's true. I think as you're asking for advice, you're actually working it out in your own head. You're not actually that's what I think too. asking I, I agree. for advice. I agree. Well, that's my experience, anyway. So apparently, uh, Mr. Gupta, I'm, I'm, I'm a total fraud. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have this guy who always asks me for advice. And then I and I think I give him really good advice, and then he goes, "Well, I'll ask Dave." <laughs> like, 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 Why even ask? And every time it's, it's not yeah. like once in a while; it's every time he asks me something. Oh, I'll ask my I'll ask my neighbor. <laughs> like, I just gave him the best advice in the world, but he just can, just instantly discounts it. Yeah, a lot of people are like that. What I suppose called? that is true. Assholes. Ask you know, I was, I was oh, assholes. Assholes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where they're like, I need your opinion or your advice, and then they just don't even listen uh, and do something completely different. Right. I, I was listening right. to, you know, I will actually want to read your book, and I, I want to see how it relates. I For a while, I was uh, doing show running, which is you're trying to sell TV shows to networks. And yeah. that... That business is very hard to, very to, to flip an insider to an, an outsider to an insider, yeah. and it's very hard to sell a show, it, it, close to impossible. Um, and I've and yeah. I've, I've I've got in the door like really far. Got to go to the Real Screen Television Summit and meet every executive at every network multiple times and know them all by name wow. now. But it's still hard to sell a show. So I'm going to read your book to see if it can relate to that world. At yeah, all, yeah. You know, one of the one of the people. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in Hollywood as well, and just kind of just trying to observe, like how how do things work? It's, it's it just seems. I mean, it seems so so complicated in terms of in terms of how do you come up with an idea and then and then you know make it into a reality. So you know, for example, one of the people that I, I really studied for the book is a, is a filmmaker named Brian Grazer, producer, and you know he's mm-hmm. he's, he's won a bunch of Emmys and 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 you know, Oscars and. You know, so I'm I'm in his office in Beverly Hills. This is, this is about a year and a half ago, and I'm, I'm sitting in the waiting room, 
And you could just tell, like, the anxiety inside the waiting room amongst all these other people that are there is just pretty high. <laughs> yeah. They're there to pitch him on film and television shows, and he invests in tech as well, so the people there are to invest him in, t- in pitch him on tech ideas. So, finally, I get called to the, this conference room to meet with him, and I say to him, Brian, you've got a lot of nervous people out there right now. If I could go out there and give them one piece of advice before they walk into this room to pitch you, what would it be? And he thinks about it for a moment, and he says, give me, he says, give me an insight that I can't easily find on Google. You give me something that is not easily Googleable. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting, because it was kind of the first time that I sort of heard that. But as I started to talk to more and more people in film and outside of film, what I started to realize is that great meetings and great ideas, they usually sort of start with some sort of non-obvious insight something that you kind of had gone out there and collected yourself, something that not a lot of people know. And that, you know, in, in the case of business or, you know, job interviews, that could have been because you, you personally went out there and talked to customers. You personally test drove the product or the, or the competitor's product. You, 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 did, you did something. You put yourself out there in a way that most people, most people don't. So I'll give you an example. I was talking to, um, uh, you know, talking to a woman the other day who was applying for a job at a social media company. And the, the trick of it was that she didn't use the product. It, it's very much sort of a Gen Z-focused company. So she's like, I'm interviewing for this role, but I, I, I don't know much about the product. But then she ended up doing something very clever. She went out and she interviewed every single one of her daughter's friends. And she asked them to send her screenshots of the moments that they really liked about the experience, the moments that kind of drove them a little, a little nuts, like what do they wish was different, and she collected all of this into a gallery on her phone. And then when she had this interview, which was over Zoom, this is, this is COVID time, and, you know, she was able to sort of show all these insights that she had gone out and personally collected. And the hiring manager, not only was he so impressed that she, that she got the job, in the middle of the conversation, he, he dials in one of their designers right over, right over Zoom, pulls him into the conversation and says, hey, you got to come check this out. Really? So the point is, like, but in the book, we talk about this as finding an earned, an earned secret. Going out there and, and finding something that not a lot of other people in your shoes would, would know can be, can, be, can be the starting basis, I think, for any great conversation. I think that's terrific. Uh, you know, I tell you what, I don't know if anybody's ever pointed this out to you. You're a pretty bright guy there, Sunil. Thanks, Tom. That means a lot to me. <laughs> he, just, he just laughs. Well, it's true, though. First of all, i got to tell you, you sound like you're about 16 years old. You have a very youthful <laughs> voice. So it's even that much more impressive. Of, you know, uh, Ballpark, how old are you? Uh, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm 41 now. <laughs> are yeah, you really I mean, done? I, I, yeah, my voice, my voice sounds young, and I, and I, 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 I look, I look uh, you know, almost comically young for my age, too. So, you know, that's one of the reasons I definitely <laughs> Comically. No, I think it's a fantastic thing because you just, uh, you have a lot of enthusiasm. You know, there's nothing wrong with being, uh, with sounding youthful at all, none at all. Um, we will get out there, backable, the surprising truth about what makes someone take a chance on you. It's available on Amazon. It's available everywhere. Sunil Gupta, G-U-P-T-A, is the spelling. I need you to do me a favor, though. Give your give your brother a hug for me today, will you? Tell him I said hi. <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely will. I definitely will. You want to hear, you want to hear a quick funny story about Sunday? 
love to hear it. Okay, well, so, I mean, this is, so Sunday, you know, unsurprisingly, like, you know, when he started to kind of become a, you know, a recognizable face on television, you know, I, you know, I'd say that happened, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago. What would happen is everywhere we would go, he and I, when we walk, you know, down the street, people would, people would sort of come up and they'd ask for a photo, they'd ask for a selfie. And, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, or they would hand me the camera and say, hey, can you take a picture of the two of you, me, me, and this, me, and your, me and Sunjay? And so, just a couple, like a couple of years ago, for the very first time, I was walking down the street alone. And this, you know, this teenager, maybe 16 years old, comes up to me and says, hey, can I, can I, get, a, can I get a selfie? And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, it's, it's just me. So, you know, he recognizes me from something and, you know, he wants to take a selfie with me. And so we're, we're in selfie mode. He's got, his, he's got his arm stretched out. And at the last moment, right before he takes the shot, he yells out to his friend. He's like, hey, Jim, come get in this, come get in this photo with Dr. Sanjay Gupta's brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a great story. It's something, Sunil, it's something. Uh, man, you got to come to town. There's no question. Oh, by the way, I did notice. Uh, one thing, and I need, I, I'm going to see if, if uh, I'm backable on this one. Sunil Gupta is a co-founder of RISE and serves on the faculty at Harvard University. So what could I say to you to get, like, maybe 10% of that $42 billion uh, uh, pile of dough they got at Harvard? Hey, I Can I get at it at all? <laughs> yeah, 1%. What do, you, what do you say, Sunil? <laughs> I, w- I mean, I wish I controlled any of that dough. I, 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 I don't even know where that dough is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody knows why. Hey, if you ever come to town, you have to come in the studio. I'd love to sit down and talk to you more. You're a very, very bright guy. Uh, I love your take on it, too. Just don't give up. Just just learn how to do things properly, and you'll head down a great road. So, Neil, you're a terrific guest. Thanks for your time today, sir. Thanks so much, everybody. Talk soon. See you later. We'll talk soon. We will be back with our two uh, family. Before that, I just want to tell Tyre Carver, you oh, yeah. can call in anytime during the second hour. There you go. Perfect. We'll be back.